you like Grant Fisher, I told him I'd give this shout out, but he just came out with a new podcast called The Half Step Pod. He's doing it with a former teammate of his, Connor Lane, and a really good listen behind the scenes action of what it's like to be a professional. everyone and welcome back to another episode of the half step pod i am your host connor lane uh this week my co-host grant fisher has given up the microphone to elise cranny our ex-stanford teammate and his current teammate at bowerman track club you guys all probably know elise already she's had a massive last four or five weeks here setting the indoor american record in the 5k and almost setting the outdoor american record in the 10k In addition to that, she's a 2021 Olympian running the 5K in Tokyo after winning the trials. We talk about her last few races uh, that have been massive PRs for her. We also talk, go into great detail about Tokyo, the mindset that she believes she needs to carry to become an elite runner on the global stage uh, over the next few years here. And yeah, her general progression as a member of Bowerman since, since leaving college and a whole lot more. This was a super illuminating hour of conversation for me. I feel like I learned a ton and hopefully you all will as well. Uh, it was a great time. Thanks to Elise for coming on and I'll catch you guys next time, but in- enjoy this interview. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Half Step Pod. I am Connor Lane and joined today by special guest Elise Cranny, my ex-teammate at Stanford and current runner for Bowerman TC. He's had a couple of huge monster weeks here with massive PRs. Uh, really excited to get to talk to you today, Elise, in this uh, in this interview. How are you? I'm good. I'm pumped to be on the Half Step Pod. I've been listening to you and you and Grant in season two, so excited to be a special guest. <laughs> yeah, I uh, don't tell Grant, but I have a feeling you're going to do a better job hosting. No, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, no, we'll, we'll just, we'll just see shoes, how it goes. Big shoes to fill. You guys have a good you I know, guess back so. and forth, so. We'll see. <laughs> but we have the Stanford connection too. We'll we'll see. Um, we'll pick right back up, like like in English class four years ago or whatever it was at this point. Exactly. Um, I know the creative writing days. <laughs> it's it was a time. It was a lot of lot of stories from class. But talking about you and your accolades specifically, Elise. Um, I mean, really, where to start? Uh, it's been a few years now that you've been in Bowerman, uh, and really things started firing on all cylinders when you ran fourteen forty eight for them a couple seasons ago. Um, but last year, I mean, so much that you accomplished, including winning the 5k at the Olympic trials, making the team in the 5,000 meters, finishing 13th in the final, uh, in Tokyo. And then obviously the last couple months have just been some truly, truly impressive marks, including running the American indoor record in the 5k, smashing Shalane's old record, which we're definitely going to get into <laughs> running 1433 at BU, um, with Gabriella, your teammate, running 14.31, and then a monster 10K in the same race where Grant ran the American record, running just off of it in 30.14.66 and running like 7K of that race solo. Um, So another just absolutely incredible effort finishing just a second behind Molly Huddle's 30.13. So this last month for you has has really seemed to be, I guess not a culmination because you're still working towards Eugene 2022, right, and trials and all of this, but you've really been able to lay your fitness on the line and, and put up some massive time. So just big picture, like how does that feel after these last two couple races here? Yeah, it feels great. I think, I mean, I have been thinking about this. I think 
like last year, just with it being the like trials in the Olympics, there wasn't like, you know, a lot of, there weren't a lot of opportunities to like go out and run like super fast just because there was more championship style kind of racing. So I think, um, you know, you know that like, you know, after like a year or another, like two years of, um, you know, professional training and consistency that there's like, you know, that strength is building and the times are coming, but to actually be able to have like both the opportunities to run just like a fast five and a fast 10 this indoor season was, was really fun. And I think you could see that for, you know, Grant and Mo and just, you know, everyone on our team, like just really, you know, focusing our altitude camp on, you know, gearing up for some really fast races. Cause we know that like, as we get later into the summer, it will be primarily championship style races, which you, you'd never know if they're going to go fast or not. So it's nice to kind of do an effort where it's like a bit more controlled. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm glad that you brought up like kind of the heavier championship style racing that you'd been doing the last like year or so. Basically, since Bowerman had all those like end of the COVID season, like kind of time trialing meets where like Shelby ran like 1420, like low and, and everyone was running ridiculous marks. There were some sub 13s on the men's side. You guys really have been. I mean, there was the 10 last spring, like a year ago, that was kind of focused on achieving the world standard. But you guys have been more in these like championship style, like tactical races, prepping for the trials, which were kind of early and then and then the games. And um, it, it does. I heard you say on Chris Chavez's pod, the uh, Sidious Mag, which everyone should go check out. I think that just dropped yesterday that you really were excited about running this indoor 5K at BU because you hadn't really had a chance to run like a kind of time trial. Like we're going to go max going for like the lowest possible time here, not just a championship style race hadn't had the opportunity in like a season or two seasons, maybe more. So was that, I guess, yeah, definitely starting with these, uh, these most recent races because they're probably top of mind and, and been some massive PRs. What was like, was that a big part of, of running this fast 5k, just knowing, Hey, I, I'm probably going to get this PR coming from 1448, which is really fast, but I'm, I'm, I'm really fit and I haven't had a chance to pop off in, in a long time, at least yeah. over just 5,000 pure meters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, you know, the 1448 was at that time trial and, 2020 so it had been almost two years and I think um you know I kind of talked about this like you said on on the podcast with Chris but um just going into that 5k I was like hanging on for dear life in workouts and just like finishing half of them or as much as I could so I think the last two years like being able to see you know the difference and just like being able to handle more of those like fast paces for longer in training I was excited to see how that was going to translate to a race and I think I felt I think I kind of you can get glimpses of it like I think you know in the you know prelim and final of the 5k at the Olympics it was like okay I ran 14.55 which was like my second fastest time compared to that and I was like okay that felt you know way you know better than the 14.48 and was only a couple seconds off in a, in a championship style race so I think you kind of know that you know, like faster times are in there, but to actually be able to do it. um, And like you said, be able to do it with Gabriella and, you know, have both of us go under Shalane's old record was pretty cool. Yeah. Smash the record. I mean, was that, I don't, I don't, what was the desired pacing for that race? Did you, I mean, you guys definitely closed like really fast um, to make up all that ground, but did you think anything like 1433 was possible? I mean, it kind of reminds me of Grant coming to that, like, 
thinking, okay, 1301 is the American record and ending up running way under it. Did you, you had like, did you have a similar feeling there or were you predicting to run closer to 1430? Yeah, no, I think it was kind of a surprise too of knowing like, okay, we, maybe we try to run under like 1445. And so I think, yeah, the first 2k, I was like, oh man, like we're at like 15 flat pace. Are we going to even be able to get the record? And then, like you said, I just think you, sometimes you get in the race and you don't really realize how fast, you know, you squeeze it down or start closing. I think that's a fun thing about both the five and the 10 is like, even just a couple laps that are a little bit faster can like really take pretty big chunks of time off that you don't really realize until you're crossing the line. And you're like, oh man, we must have like really squeezed it down. Cause now I see 1430s on the clock. So that was definitely exciting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing anecdotally with, with 5Ks, I feel like that last K or 800 is, especially in like elite races, such a make or break. I mean, maybe even just compared to other events, just because of how like the unique distance of time that like 1,000 meters is. But you get people going in, in a direction forward and you get people going in a direction backwards over that last K and it can often be like, 10 15 second gaps maybe maybe greater just depending on like if you're ready to roll at that moment around like 3.5 or 4k i feel like that to me looking at like your progression i feel like that transition from instead of just hanging on in the second half of races to being like the aggressor and the person pushing that has been a major difference in running these phenomenal times i don't know if, if you have any thoughts on yeah that, yeah it's a huge difference agree. i think and i think that's like you know the strength piece and i think part of that is also just like the again like the years under jerry or the more like years um i don't know like we like to use it like the term like training age on the team it's like i think like just having like several more years of consistent like running and mileage under me it just like you're that much stronger to be able to finish the race instead of like i mean i remember that like i vividly remember the first 5k i ran on this team or one of the first ones that I ran on the team in like the summer of 2019. And it was like, I went, it was in Berlin and I went out the first like 3k basically at 15 flat pace, just like, I'm going to like will myself to do this. And the last 2k was just like, absolutely miserable, (laughs) which I feel like happens in the five or the 10. Like if you go out too hard, like it just, it hits you hard. And so I think like that has been a big change is yeah. Like being able to handle that and even, you know, if you go out like a little bit in over your head, like maybe you are like slowing down a little bit, but it's not kind of like the massive blow up just because you have like this huge kind of foundation and, you know, strength and consistency beneath you. So it's like feel better able to handle that, which is nice. It's like, it's fun to feel strong at the end of a race instead of, (laughs) instead of hanging on for dear life, you know? (laughs) No, that's gotta be the best feeling. And yeah, and you look so strong at the end of both of them, even if, especially in that 10 K, like the pain cave a little bit, which I know we'll talk more about, (laughs) but, but going, but going back really quick to that idea of like going in maybe a little bit over your head. Uh, do you, so like the strength and the obviously like the training um, in your pro group or just for, for listeners out there, because I feel like we often try to contextualize like Grant's training or my training, like for how it can be applied at like, you know, everyone's unique levels. And I feel like the overall blocks of training, like listening to your coach, following through with that is going to make you a better runner if you can stay consistent and healthy and kind of just go through the plan. But in terms of racing specific, specifically, do you think there's big value in like, trying to go out and hit like sub 15 minute 5k pace maybe before you're like ready for it as you were like this under season or, or you know in 2020 when you ran 1448 did you 
rely on on like hey my experience in berlin where maybe i did go backwards a little bit towards the end was still helpful because i was at that pace for two miles or are you more of a or do you, do you see more logic in maybe like starting out slower and and just trying to simulate like closing 5ks hard because that will help me do you have like a preferred strategy yeah. as you're kind of getting this fitness? yeah i feel like it's almost a good mix of both you know like i think you want some races where you feel like you're finishing strong so you're not I don't know. I think that was something for me that I kind of think about like in college when I had had some injuries of like when you're having like race after race where you're like dying, I think it can be, it can get in your head for sure, you know? And it's like, you don't want that to become like a pattern where then you kind of are expecting it to happen, even if you're like in, you know, better shape now. But I also think it can be really good too to kind of have that mix of both. Cause I think it's like, yeah, I think that like Berlin 5k was really helpful. Cause it's like, okay, this is what I want my goal race pace to be. And I'm not, I, I think it gives you like a good indicator of where you're at too. And I think it, I think racing like that also helps you in certain situations to find your limit more. Cause it's like, okay, like I'm strong enough to make it to three and a half K at this pace. Like, you know, next time I'm going to try to make it to four and a half K. Like, I think it's like, you know, those are like marks that you can kind of tangibly see your progress, which I think can give people like a lot of momentum too. So I think having a little bit of both though. So you're like staying like mentally excited and not being defeated, but also like going out. I think it's important because I think that's how, you know, we find what we're capable of is sometimes going out, you know, a little bit in over our head and then realizing like, oh, I had more than I thought. And maybe you leave too much on the table if you, if you don't do that. Yeah, no, I think that's a really, I think that's like a really good observation. Definitely seeing how far you can make it in a race at your, at your desired race distance, even if there's a little bit of a blow up at the end, if you're not ready for it can be, I think a really valuable training tool. You're just, you're exactly right. You can't, if it, it starts going to your head and you start thinking I blow up at the end of races and that, that probably yeah. is not that positive. So it's just, it's, it's maintaining that mental fortitude of I'm going through a process right now trying to get somewhere. But yeah, no, I, I love hearing stuff like that. I love hearing like similarly Grant would always talk about getting worked his first year on the team. I know you've, you've spoken about like the adjustment as well. And I know it's, it's, it seems to be a really difficult adjustment for anyone coming out of coming out of college and, and training with such elite people. Um, I feel like this last year or two years, you've really ascended, but it maybe was built on a lot of grinding and a lot of struggles early on as a, as a pro. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, that's kind of what you were saying with even the race strategy. Like I think in some ways, that's like really good though because I think I was able to find my limit a lot more and it's like you it's like a constant process each workout to be like I did a good job even though I only did 50% and was like (laughs) getting dropped you know but like I don't know I think it's like a good strategy it was really important for me to learn it's like you know forcing you to work on those things of like not comparing to others and like celebrating your own steps forward even if it's not like ultimately where you like you know, dream of being, but knowing like, okay, you have to take steps along the way. It's like joining the team. It's like, you know, it's like, I want to be working out with Shelby and Carissa, but that's like not where I'm at right now. Or like I, for me, a really good stimulus would be finishing 50% of the workout with them. And sometimes you have to take it. It's like really hard to do, but take a step back and be like, but this is like a really good workout for me and I'm doing the best that I can. And I think, you know, kind of joining a group like this, it actually like really forces you to like work on those strategies, which I feel like are really helpful. And then again, I think it really like elevates everyone as an athlete. Like I know for me, it was like when you have 
when you see, you know, what Shelby and Carissa or, you know, older people on the team are doing and you're like, I want to do that. It's like, then you don't really limit yourself because you're like, okay, I can be there one day too. I just have to kind of keep grinding, keep staying the course, Um, which I think is really cool that you have something to be like shooting for and people to be looking up to to kind of challenge what you thought was possible. No, I mean, that's awesome. And it it sounds like it it really is just a testament to your own mental fortitude to like endure kind of getting beat up a lot early on, but still being able to to look within and, and find your own positive outlook and, and know truthfully that you're still getting so much better as an athlete, um, stringing healthy seasons together. It kind of, I feel like that segues really nicely into your mostly solo effort in the 10K a couple of weeks ago, like running 7K alone. I feel like it's a very similar mental attitude of like, I have to look inward and know that I'm doing a good job for me. Now, almost for the opposite reason, because you're lapping almost the entire field in the race. So talk me through that 10. Did you know that you were going to have to spend so much of that race alone? Um, What was your target pre-race? I mean, was it going all the way after that American record of 30-13 from Molly Huddle? I'd I'd love to hear as much background to that uh, as you have. Yeah. Yeah, I think... You know, Jerry had talked to me a little bit and he was like, I think, you know, we're ready to go after the American record. Um, He had kind of said, I think for a while, it sounds like he was working really hard to find a pacer and um, like was just struggling to put it together. Um, And so then uh, our newest teammate, Lucia, was able to pace um, through 3K, which was amazing. And then Taylor Warner as well. And Jerry wasn't really sure how long... um, they were going to go, he was like, you know, maybe two miles, maybe 4k, maybe they can make it to 5k. Um, so I think he, yeah, he didn't really know. So I think, you know, that was kind of what we talked about is like staying calm, no matter how you, you know, are going to have to run the race or how much of it you're going to have to do by yourself of just like, okay, just get in that zone. You know, he was really focused on like getting in the zone and make, making those like 72s to 73s feel like rhythm. And I think that was really helpful that he said that. And even, um, you know, he was helpful in terms of talking about Molly Huddle got the record at um, the 2016 Rio Olympics. But he was like for a lot of the race, like she, you know, ended up by herself and she was just clicking off laps. And that actually gave me a lot of confidence too because she's, you know, someone that I've looked up to. And I'm like, okay, there were a lot of times in the race where maybe she was by herself and, kind of like you were saying it you know to do that she had to be really inwardly focused on like the race and the world record whatever was going on around her but she was like really focused on getting that record and and clicking off the lap so um I think that was helpful to kind of have a discussion about that before and be like okay I'm just going to get in a rhythm I don't know how far the pacers are going to go however long they take me will be you know super helpful and then I just have to get in that rhythm I mean, it, it's similar to talking about Grant's race in another way, too, which is, like, there's not that many, like, ladies who are probably able to run sub-15-10 for a 5K who don't want to be part of the race itself. Like, like, you know, Grant had, like, more, there's a lot of men with the group right now and had guys like Woody who is just, like, a next-level pacer and decided he didn't want to run the whole race. Um, Josh Thompson, Sam Mackin, Ollie, like, had guys taking them through, but, like, it's it's hard to find pacers. I feel like for these these really difficult marks that you're chasing, who want to be in it for that long and kind of sacrifice their own race and just 
can run a 5k at your 10k pace which is kind of ridiculous <laughs> to think about yeah no for <laughs> sure and I think I mean I think especially with a 10k there just aren't because it's such a longer race it's not like a 15 where there's like opportunities every couple weeks so like you said I think anyone who's like could do that wants to be in there running a good 10k because it was like an incredible field and it's going to be set up well so it's like hard to get yeah get people that want to pay especially with with the the scenario with the trials 10k being like a month before the rest of the trials yeah. it seems like uh seems like anyone who could hit the mark might as well hit the mark and try to race it that'll be an interesting dynamic too i'm excited to hear both you and grant's thoughts moving forward on like how that 10k is going to set up being so far out ahead of the rest of the trials. Yeah, I'm really excited cool. to see. But I mean, that's what we were talking about too. I think that's why like this was such a good race cuz it's just like there there's not that much time. Like if you're talking about the end of May, you know, there's not that much more time for like a 10k between now and being like really ready to go at the end of May. So, it's kind of like definitely changes sure. the dynamic, but it will be I think it will make for for really good races. It'll be, it'll be like a complete race. Yeah. Like there's no reason for someone who could make it to not do it, which is really yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about the pace lights, not quite to the part that everyone wants to talk about with the pace lights. We'll, we'll get to there, but running so much of this race solo. Um, and I know you were slightly ahead of the pace lights for a lot of that stretch. Did you like, were you completely alone out there or between having, you know, Shalane and Jerry yelling splits and knowing you were ahead of the pace lights, does that help at all? Um, like knowing, okay, I'm ahead of this and just staying there. Cause you weren't level with it to the point where you could like, know you were exactly clicking off what you need to do. Like, what were you using for that seven K, I guess, getting through it solo to stay in that pure rhythm? Was it just, you look, I've worked out at race pace a ton. I know exactly where it is. Or could you use some combination of lights and were you hearing splits and, and that kind of thing to keep you on it once you were solo? Yeah, I was hearing splits. I've, I've kind of gone back and forth. I was getting splits basically every 200. So Shalane was at one 200 and then Pascal was at the other 200. So I was getting a ton of feedback um, on the splits, which are really helpful. And I think when I first finished, I was like, oh man, like should I have just tried to stay like right with the pace lights the whole time and then, you know, focus on like out kicking them the last 800 or something. And I was like, maybe, you know, I think I had a couple of laps that were like, a bit aggressive toward the beginning that maybe if the pace lights were there and then like, I don't know, then you're not thinking you're just right with them. But I also think there's something to be said about like really getting in your own rhythm, you know, and sometimes it's like that means each lap is like, you know, I don't know, 0.2 or 0.3 here or there. But, um, I feel like I kind of just like when I was in the midst of it and trying to find that rhythm, I don't think I was really paying attention to the lights or trying to stay with them. I was just you know, trying to hear 72 points. And I think that kind of became my focus. So yeah, I was glad that I had, you know, that feedback kind of every 200 until, until like the last mile when you kind of hear that you're falling off and then you're like, I don't really want the feedback. I mean, you do want the feedback, but you know, you're like, oh my gosh, like I was running 72 <laughs> so well. And now, now I'm, you know, trying to get back there, but well, I'm interested in, in, in the mentality around running 72s because while it's certainly fast, it's also something that you know you have to hit for six miles. So, like, how much are you are you throttling back in, like, the first half of the 10K versus, like, really – I mean, you're still kind of stepping on the gas, right? So, like, what is what is that mixture like? Because it's, it's obviously still a super fast pace, um, like, objectively. But you know you're doing it for six miles. Are you, like – holding back 
in that 71, 72 range at all? Are you like trying to stop yourself from ripping it or is it still just, look, I'm racing and like, I'm kind of laying out this effort. It's, it's still already really hard. Yeah. Like, where's that progression? Like, Yeah. I feel like it's honestly still something that I'm trying to master about the 10 K. I think, um, I don't know of being like, I remember like last year before I ran the first one, like Emily Infeld, like I vividly remember her talking about that. She's like, you can't be like too excited at the beginning. Cause it's like, you'll feel, you know, you'll feel really good because you, if you're going to run 10 K at that pace, ideally you will feel like semi okay coming through 5k <laughs> like you you're not you should be hopefully <laughs> you're not you like redlining sure. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but I think it's something where yeah it's just I think I'm still trying to figure out um kind of like I said I think like a couple of those like 71 points where I felt good like right when the pacers came off maybe came to like you know, bite me a little bit like the last 1200. Um, and I'm like, Oh, maybe if I ran a couple 73s, but I think, I don't know. It's so hard for me. Cause I'm like, those splits basically seem so close to being the same. Like how could that take that much out yeah. of you? But I think with that long of an event over time, yeah, that's something that, that I'm still trying to figure out. But I think, I think that's where like the mental piece is so important of like, you know, trying to, um, like a lot of teammates that ran the 10k have told me that of like trying to make the first 5k feel like a tempo and it's not going to, but like, I think when you can kind of like cultivate that mindset, it can be really helpful of like, okay, I want this to be like as relaxed and smooth as possible. And I'm still like running really fast, but how can I make it kind of feel like that tempo effort? So I'm not like, so I'm ready. I have the energy and I'm ready to go like the second half of the race. For sure, yeah. It sounds like something you'll you'll have more experience with because this was only your third 10K, right? Yeah, yeah. Third or fourth, yeah. yeah. So there's definitely <laughs> a lot of room to, to learn more about the limits while already being right at the AR. Let's let's talk about that last mile or last 2K or so because you were you were definitely up on the pace lights and yeah, like I'm sure you, you could hear the splits maybe slowing down. I don't know kind of what the thought process is there, but then like we were we were all watching in the dorm and like your clothes was was ridiculous we were like oh no like it's it seems like it's lost and then we're able to drop a 67 there at the end past the pace lights which turns out we're set at 30 16 um to give you like a better gauge of it thinking you could maybe close off yeah. of that rather than the ar of 30 13 like where did that last kind of kit come from when you hit like 500 to go or so and, and you're like the lights are in front of me, there's a lap to go. And you'd really been like deep in the pain cave at that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, it was definitely hard to rally. I think my second to last lap is like, I was like, oh man, <laughs> like this feels like it's unraveling quickly. <laughs> um, and that was like a 74 or 75. Yeah. So like, it, it, it definitely, it, you'd, while still running a ridiculous pace, had slowed down to probably missing the record by like a little bit yeah. here. And then we're able, to, we're able to pull it back with a 67. Yeah, I think... I don't really know what happened. I think before the race, one of my, like, the two things that I really wanted to focus on were, you know, get to the last 2K as, like, smooth as possible. Um, and then I was, like, last year I had told myself in the 10K, I was, like, I want to have a really good last 500. And I just, I don't know. I think I've had a tendency sometimes to say that and then just kind of get comfortable with the pace that you're at and, like, not really go for it. And I was, like remember being so bothered after that race. I was like, I wish that I would have just like ripped the last 500. And so going into this race, I was like, okay, the last like 450, at least no matter how you're feeling, like 
you need to make it, you know, a really good close. Like, you know that you have, you know, the wheels from the 1500 and from kind of that speed training and I don't know, like you're tapping into a different system and like usually you feel better when you, when you start to close. So I think I hit that point and I was just like, I'm not going to do the same thing as last year where you kind of get stuck in, in a rhythm and don't go. And I think that's like the point in the race where like the pacing lights were so helpful because it did, it felt like I was like racing next to someone. Like it was just, I forget, I think someone had told me at like 450 or 400, they're like, just look up at the lights. And that was like huge because I feel like I wasn't really quite aware too much of what else was going on. I was <laughs> just trying to get to the finish line. But I think that was something that was so like tangible that I could cling on to that I was like, okay, just like look up and try to get them. And then, yeah, like I said, I think that gives, it gave me a lot of energy, like especially the last like 200 and the last hundred to just feel like you were racing. So, you know, it's like you're neck and neck with someone and you're, you're trying to outkick them, which is kind of like a crazy concept that you can get that from the pacing lights, but that's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. And then finishing ahead of the pacing lights, but just short of the record. I know in, in Chris's interview, you mentioned like you knew it, you saw it turn to 3014. So you knew you had just missed out. Um, and I'm sure there's some initial feelings of disappointment, but like, what is your thought process now? Is it still largely disappointment at missing the record by such a short amount? Are you simultaneously, like, still pumped about running such a massive PR and, and, and good time? Like, where is your head at holistically looking back at that race a couple weeks later? Because like you said, I mean, as awesome as it was, you don't get the chance to run that many all-out 10Ks. So I'm sure there's a little bit left on the table where you're, like, yeah, just talk to me how you're feeling yeah. about that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's... I mean, that's kind of like with Jerry in general, we just don't get to race that much. So I think it makes it sometimes feel like every race is just like, you know, you're like, okay, that was my one chance to run a super fast 10K. Um, and I think, yeah, it's kind of funny because it's like you're so close and I'm like, yeah, I'd much rather be a second and a half off than like 10 seconds off or something. But it's almost For like sure. that double-edged sword of like also being a second and a half off kind of like drives you a little bit crazy because you're just like so close. Yeah. Especially like, you know, with the like second to last lap, I'm like, you could have gotten like a second and a half on the second. But you say that now out of the race, it's like, yeah. it's much easier to say now. Um, and so I think there's like that little piece where you kind of just like keep replaying it and try to find like where you could have possibly gotten 1.5 seconds. But I think um, overall, like I feel um, happy about it, more so just like proud of like the way that I ran. I think that was a big step for me, like mentally. And also just like I said, my like couple things to focus on were like the last 2K, the last 500. And then also I was just like, I want to finish on empty. Like I, like regardless of the result, I want to like finish knowing that I gave everything I had and I do feel like I did that. So even though, you know, it's easy to go back and be like, I could have found 1.5 seconds. Like when I finished, I was like, I'm toasted. Like I, I did everything <laughs> I could. So I think in that regard, As you should be. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, like I'm, I'm pleased with how I ran and, and being able to also rally when it felt like things were kind of, falling off a bit with 400 to go <laughs> well and and we can't technically count any of this but i feel like you ran like at least 10,100 meters in that race just going around lap traffic the last <laughs> like three or four k so i don't know i don't know where the actual 10k line was maybe that would we'll see if we that would be my if second we stick you on the inside of lane one yeah if we stick you on the inside of lane one for an entire race <laughs> like we'll see what that would equate out to i'm sure well, i'm sure you will get another chance eventually whether it's 
you know, at a Worlds or an Olympics or if it's another version of the 10 um, in future years. But yeah, definitely, it, it definitely seems like a long wait um, to get like the fast opportunities. Yeah, so yeah. while it's an incredible result, I can, I know someone as competitive <laughs> as yourself is probably thinking about it, but I guess it's a healthy level of, of thought, yeah. right? Like, well, I do. I- if you were perfectly satisfied, it'd be like, well, how am I going to get amped for the next yeah. thing, I guess? And I think, I mean, I think like we were talking about earlier, I think that will be good about having the 10K before USA's. Like, I feel like it's going to be a really, really good competitive fast race because it stands alone, you know, by itself. And I think that will make for, for a really good race too. So there'll be another opportunity soon. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting. And you don't have to tip your hand at all. But I mean, like making it an aerobic effort might seem to benefit you <laughs> having having just gone through this but obviously a 10k in a championship style race is it's a really risky bold move to like take any piece of leading that so so you'll i mean don't don't say anything about it <laughs> if you don't want to but it'll be it'll be because you know because so many competitors i'm sure are just glued into the half step pod but but definitely um it'll be interesting to see like what the decision is there because i feel like I meant to ask you this in your head. Do you view yourself as a certain distance runner? Cause I feel like in college it was often like Elise does the 15 and she can move up to the five and the three, but she's like kind of a 15 girl. Like that was what you like ran so well in high school that and the eight, honestly. Um, do you see yourself as a 1500 meter runner? Or do you see yourself as a 10 K girl? I mean, I guess in an ideal world, you just see yourself as a really good runner. <laughs> right. And like try not to stick a stick, like a, a distance associated with that. But where do you feel like your, your maximum, ability lies across that like spectrum of 15 to 10. yeah I feel like right now I would probably say a 5k runner I still think I want to say 15 but I think I think the 5k like allows me to combine like kind of that speed from the 15 um with some strength and then I think I think the 10 like I'll eventually you know want to move even more toward focusing on that but hopefully like later in my career like I yeah I think kind of 15 5 is still where I see myself <laughs> Well the, well, the five is what you won the U.S. trials in, and it's also what you made the Olympic team in. And it, it helps with the transition to kind of discussing that because I thought you had something um, really like valuable to say in your post-race interview after the 10K um, where you said going to the Olympics for you and kind of seeing what like the, the women who are meddling, like the world-class like medalists, right? Like Dababa and, and, and the people who are winning these races and are the world record holders – like seeing them on like truthfully this this different level than like maybe where the top American women's times have been and similar with like the the elite African men compared to maybe like American men's times like seeing that kind of divide really made you hungry to maybe pursue bigger goals like in the 10k because we've talked like you know the the best women's 10kers in the world are running like in the 29 mid and low right I mean like are are way down in there so talking about you know, like being a little bit dissatisfied after even such a phenomenal race. Um, I guess, yeah, talk me through that, like how you approach seeing where these, like the best women in the world are and um, and how has that kind of framed your mindset about or about your, your running and like what you're striving to do yeah. on, on a daily basis and in the races? Yeah, I think you use the right words of like it just being like really eye-opening and make you hungry for more. Like, I mean, I don't know, going all the way back to, high school I even remember that like I thought state was as big as it got and then I went to like my first national meet and I was like oh my gosh like there's this whole other world out there and I kind of this is as big (laughs) as it gets New Balance Nationals (laughs) yeah and so it's like 
I, I feel like it was a similar experience, you know, it's like, and I was just like, got there and I was like, oh my gosh, there's this whole other world. And like, obviously I was like following along with the sport and I knew that, but I think like being there and being in that race is like, even feels different than like watching. Cause it's like, you're in the race now and you can kind of, I don't know. I think I was like, okay, I'm in the race. Like I'm closer than I've ever been to competing against these people, but I still feel like far off. I mean, like you said, you know, like I was going backwards the last 1K and Safan was closing and I don't know, some crazy time. I don't remember what she closed in the last 1K, but something crazy with like a 57 last 400. And I think that's where, you know, kind of like we were even talking about when I like joined Bowerman and you're, you know, seeing how, you know, Shelby and Carissa and people are training and you're like, your eyes are just opened. You're like, holy crap, like this is, you know, what it takes to train this way. And even though, you know, you could train this hard and it was possible. And so I think, you know, that's kind of the same thing of like you, I needed to have that experience to be like, oh my gosh, okay, these women are, you know, running 1435 with like a super, you know, conservative first 3K, but they're able to have so much left. Um, and even just like, you know, being around them in the prelim and seeing what they're doing. And I think that totally just, again, like elevates the entire bar for the sport if you like allow it to be like motivating and inspiring of like, okay, if they can do that, like I can do that too. It's just going to take me some some time to get there. But I think like believing that that's possible and being what you're striving for is really important because I think, yeah, I mean, I think that just has totally like influenced my training since that race like coming back this fall I just felt like I was so hungry coming off of that because I was like wow okay I need to like gain strength I need to bring yeah more attention to practice I need to work on the mindset of things and cultivating my confidence and like working on different uh race strategies so I'm more prepared for you know races at the global level and I think yeah it was just super super eye-opening and super motivating to like okay we need to keep like raising the bar in in American middle distance running. And I think, you know, that's what's really cool across the board. I mean, even watching like Molly Seidel medal in the marathon, you know, and like watching just how like middle distance running and distance running in America has, you know, just continued to get better and better, I'd say, especially over the last several years. I think that's something that's like really exciting because it's like, yeah, we want to be you know, competing on the global stage and that, yeah, it's a huge point of motivation, I would say. Yeah. Well, cause not that it was like a whirlwind for you, but that was really your first like world's or Olympic experience, um, in Tokyo. And, you know, you think like making the Olympic final, while I'm sure it brought you a lot of confidence, like it's interesting to hear still kind of feeling a little bit like a passenger in that kind of environment. But I guess like taking valuable lessons away from that, is so important it just um because yeah that th- those those races just seem so fartlicky and so like about really trying to be comfortable in a really difficult situation did you have any like just being face to face with like the best in the world and in, in, in that kind of final did you have any main takeaways on specifically like we can talk about just stacking years of, of training and fitness together but within the race when you talk about the mental piece was there anything that they seemed to do really well uh, maybe it was just a byproduct of being at like this elite level of fitness, but maybe it wasn't. Did you did you notice anything specifically? Yeah, I think, I mean, the two things, I would say the big thing is before the race, like standing on the line, like looking back and watching videos, like just the stance of like a lot of people that were in the top 
you know, five or top 10 even. It's like you can tell they're just like calm and confident and ready to go where I definitely think, you know, I felt a little bit like, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like that imposter syndrome where you're saying then you're like, okay, you're like trying to be like, yeah, I'm ready to go. But like you definitely don't feel that like confidence, like your first time kind of going there. So I think, you know, the body language at the start and kind of what you're telling yourself is really important. And then I think, um, just like controlling the race. Like I think, you know, a lot of the people that you see that medal there were in the top five were like up at the front or they were like controlling the race in some way. And I think, um, you know, when I think back, like, both Carissa and I, I feel like we were just kind of at the back of the pack the whole time. And I think that's a really different mentality too, because even when it's fartlicky and the race is changing, it's like we keep getting gapped. And I think that's a very different, (laughs) you feel really different when you're like, I mean, that goes back to the, like when you're hanging on for dear life and you keep getting gapped and then you're trying to make up the gap, it's like, you're not really getting the energy of like being in the race and competing because you're like, you have that feeling of like, yeah, for hanging on for dear life and trying to reconnect. So I think, um, you know, just learning how to like insert myself more, like approach it more confidently and insert myself more in the race. So it feels like you're actually racing rather than the focus just being like trying to hang on, but then, you know, kind of getting gap for the final time, you know, when they go to take off the last K. Yeah, certainly it's easier said than done, but it is so difficult to to hang out in the back of a field that's going back and forth like that, like with the leaders like throwing in little surges or just the the group kind of yo-yoing to and from. Um, way way easier said than done though to get into a position to kind of avoid that or be oh absolutely yeah like like even when you first finish you know you're like oh I just just inserted myself and then you're like okay I should should have been top five like like going into the yeah (laughs) yeah like you could you should like everyone wants that but like yeah like I don't know just only five can can be there yeah 100 percent yeah it's a whole different but like these marks from indoor and, and this 10k outdoor, I feel like have, have definitely helped kind of bridge some of that gap, you know, that you feel, um, or just like, just with the real times, like getting down to like a lot closer to like what, what these women are running on the international stage. And I feel like all that does is also help elevate the rest of like American women's distance running too, right? Like the more Americans we get running marks close to you, like it's only going to make the field better. Cause, cause I do feel like we, we sometimes have a tendency to have a very American centric, viewpoint especially in the nca system you know like who are the other people coming out and being pros with me who's going to be at trials who's going to do this and i i I feel like the perspective that i've gained from like like our mo interview for example is mo maybe part of it is not having to go through the same process of the canadian trials but mo has always just been fixtured on like i'm gonna try to be top three like at this world's at this olympics like that that is the goal when he wakes up daily and i i do i'm interested to hear about I don't know if there's been a shift in perspective for you since making the Olympic team, but like, I, I wonder if I wonder if part of it has to do with you know trying to like view those goals as as your goals, while not dismissing the importance of trials and the difficulty of of the United States Olympic trials um, and World Championship trials, which are phenomenally difficult meets, um, but maybe focusing more on like. Hey, I'm trying to like do well in this final instead of just making it there. I was like, Hey, it's my first Olympic experience. I don't, and I don't know if that was your mindset going in, but it definitely can be a little bit easy to be like, this is, you know, I've, I finally made it here. Wow. This is amazing. Like 
whatever happens or these girls are really fast. Like this is just what it, I wonder where you fell on that spectrum. And if you've noticed a transition between these marks and coming back, um, and what you want moving forward. Totally. And I think, yeah, I actually like this fall, I started working with a sports psych and that was super helpful. And he said a similar thing. He was basically like the people that medal are placing top five. Like he used the Olympics, for example, he was like, it was exactly what you said about Mo. They're, he was like, they're waking up every single day like, I'm going to be an Olympic medalist. And that's what they're training for. And he was like, if you're not bringing that sort of intention to your training and you're not thinking about that, you can't expect to get there, like you said, and like put yourself in the top five. Because again, like you, you can't just like make up confidence. You know, you can't be like, oh, I haven't thought about this at you can't all. can't show but up now, having not thought yeah, about it. Yeah, now I'm standing yeah, on the yeah. line and like, I think that's a difference too between like want like everyone wants to win like everyone wants to stand on the like that Olympic starting line and be like everyone wants a medal you know but like the people mm-hmm. that have like consciously thought about it and made that their goal and like worked on that at practice every day are like the ones that are doing it and I think that was something that was really eye-opening when he talked to me about that I was like yeah like these people have been thinking about this for 365 days and more than that you know like every single year for the last several years since the last Olympics. And I think, you know, that's to your point of like Mo thinking about that too. And I think um, that's something that is really cool about this group. I think that's how Jerry thinks and that's how, you know, the older people that have been around on the team think. Like, you know, that's like Courtney. It was like she had a huge year and it's like she's, you know, training to be ready to go in the summer to like medal and break the nine-minute barrier and things like that. And, And same with Mo. And I think that... Um, yeah, changing that mindset and again, like bringing that like intention and attitude to practice of just like that being the goal or what you want to do, I think makes a really big difference. And like I said, I think has allowed me to reach a whole new level of training this year by even just like having that mindset. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think about like, so that mindset is so key, but also I feel like when I look at all of y'all's careers, but like, especially yours, it's, you know, and I think about Moe's like breaking onto the scene and slowly working his way up, like into top 10 finishes at the Olympics and then moving, moving off of that. And like Courtney's first couple years as a pro compared to like where she is now, like it's, it seems to be a collection of having that vision while also knowing that it's like a staircase in terms of your, your moving up the levels. Like you can certainly have that vision your first year out. You could have had that vision in 2019, but I don't think that that would have like, gotten you to like make the team right or be top five at the olympics so it seems like a mixture of having the intentionality of someone who's trying to be top five in the world but you might also need the experience of going there and like seeing it and being like damn these people are these people are quick and i've got to like reapply myself to make up that gap i mean certainly there's phenoms who seem like they can go from zero to world champ in a year or something but i wonder if like how to balance that mixture of like you have to have a, a little bit of experience in addition to just you can't just have stupid vision about like yeah i'm like I, oh yeah like i'm gonna i'm gonna win the olympics or yeah something. i think it, it, i mean it definitely helps to see it and be in the final but I, I wonder like like did you feel like you always could have that approach or is this something that's kind of been enabled because of the six it's like a combination with the success you've been having oh right? definitely like that yeah it's definitely a combination and i think it's definitely like you said the staircase is so important like even thinking back to 2019 it's like you also, yeah, you had to be, like, realistic with yourself, too. Like, in 2019, it was, like, 
yeah, like I was really like I wasn't even in position to like make a team. So like I think my like vision and um, you know what I'm training for, my expectations were like very different. And I don't think like I mean like I said, even after having that conversation or talking to Mo, is like I don't think I have that vision until I go to the Olympics and I experience it. And I think that's a thing that it's like, like I, I just have said about a lot of things about the Olympic experiences. Like people could tell me how the race goes. People could tell me to have that, you know, intentionality or, you know, like have a bigger vision or, or bigger goals for competing on the global stage. But until I actually got there and did it, I don't think it would have ever like fully clicked for me to like make changes in my approach. And I had to like be there first. Um, and I think, yeah, I think all the steps of the process, like you said, like, I think I have to go and run 1448 before that, you know, and then I have to like slowly, you know, get a little bit better in training each year. And then I have to go have that experience before I think, like, I think I needed to have that experience in Tokyo before I would have even been ready to run, you know, 1433 indoors. And I think all of those pieces are, you know, come together to help in some way, but it's like, yeah, you need, you need all those, all the pieces to the puzzle. So, so all of that said, and like with this, with this mindset looking kind of forward and like, of course, not dismissing trials and wanting to run well there, but really also focusing on how can I get to this like top five, top 10 level in the world, like taking a, taking a little bit of a step back to maybe a really important step on the staircase, which was the trials experience for you. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear about kind of the experience in the 5k. You also came in fourth in the 10, but you know, not just the, the culmination, the excitement probably of winning, but like, what is it like going into a meet like that with really everything on the line? Are you someone who's aware of kind of the stakes of it all? Or are you trying to just tune in, like tune it out, put blinders on and just kind of go through your routine? Like before the 5k, right? What is, I don't know, like what, what is this? thought process like like how nervous are you are you are you completely prepared and set or um and then like talk me through that race and kind of the experience of of, I guess getting onto the team and winning yeah yeah I think I mean I think um leading up to the trials um I was like very much working on mindset because I think the expectations and like the pressure can be a lot of like you want to do something so bad and I mean that's kind of how it is like the crazy thing about um you know the trials and any USAs is like you have to show up on on that day and perform to make the team so I think that feels like there's I mean you know there's just the nature of it is there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot riding on the line um so I think for several months you know when we were at altitude before I was really trying to get to focus on the mindset of like I am going to do everything that I can. So I stand on the line feeling prepared. And I think at the end of the day, if that means me showing up and running my best race and getting fourth or fifth, um, it's disappointing, but in a different way, if you know that you like physically did everything you could and you showed up and like raced, you know, to your absolute best ability physically and mentally. And I think, um, yeah, that sounds like very cliche. I know people say that a lot, but I think I just kept repeating that in my head of like, okay, if you know that you're doing everything you can to prepare and be the best version of yourself, um, and you, I think, you know, in, in some races in the past, I think I've let 
um, my mind get in the way. So I'm not running at my best because maybe I'm like, you know, too stressed or I feel that there's too much pressure. And, you know, if you're trying to run with so much tension in your body, it's just, it's not how you're not going to be able to run at your best. And so I really wanted to be like making sure that I, you know, wasn't getting in my own way at the trials. And I think I knew like, okay, you know, if you stand on the line and you're confident and you put yourself in the race and you run to the best of your physical and mental ability, then that's all you can ask for at the end of the day, you know? And if you get like beat, then that those, your competitors were better than you on that day and you can't ask for anything else. And I think just really like consciously working on that, I think I was able to um, approach the trials with like, you still feel like the pressure and the weight of it, but it's like a little bit more, it's just more manageable and you're more excited to see what you can do because you know that you're, that you're prepared. I feel like that is objectively the healthiest mindset going into a race. And I'm really impressed by it because I know for me, like I've, there's similar things I feel like around health too and, and injuries and like things you can tell you like, Hey, am I maximizing what I can do? And then like not really being in full control of the result. And I feel like for races, especially I know for me, like that's something I would tell myself. And then if I did come in fourth and fifth, would probably still be pissed about. Oh, absolutely. Being like, well, did I really maximize? So I wonder how much of that, like, obviously you won. I mean, you've, you've had losses too. It's not like you haven't experienced this, but I, I feel like it's something that it's, it's not that it's easy to say. And it certainly seems like you've lived it and embodied it and worked very hard to cultivate this mindset. But it definitely, it's the type of thing that like when it works, it, it works. And it's like, well, yeah, of course I was just going to do my yeah. best and I happened to win. But, oh, it's so much easier. Um, to fourth and fifth now. still sucks. Like, it's, it's also like, yeah. I fully recognize that. Like saying it now, it's like, well, yeah, like it worked out and you made the team. So I also think it's different to look back and be like, I would have been totally fine. Cause yeah, like you would have been like, I would have been super like upset if I was fifth, you know? But I think, yeah, I think it's just like, I don't know. I like to think of it as like almost like two different types of disappointment. Like that sort of disappointment is like, yes, you like had this dream and goal that like you didn't achieve, but you did everything you can versus like, I think I've just been in a lot of races, like I said, where I feel like I've gotten in my own way or didn't feel like I prepared and did everything I could. And I feel like that's like a gnawing disappointment because you're just like, I don't know. I, I didn't see what I was like fully capable of um on the day and I think that's like a very different I don't know I've that, that's a kind of like that's what sticks with you though. Yeah, yeah I don't know like rumination almost and just like gnawing away at you of like okay I could have done these things better but no definitely I mean I fully acknowledge that it's much easier to say that now like given the result of the trials for sure no but 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 you're so right about like I, I think that it's it's there's never going to be a scenario where even if even if you're thinking the exact way you described, right? Like you're always going to be upset fourth and fifth. I think what you're talking about is the difference between like being upset because you you didn't make a team, which is like a huge goal, yeah. and the additional like disappointment of potentially not maximizing your ability on race day, yeah. right? And I feel like and what you seem to be like all you can do is control if you maximize your ability on race day and and but I think it's it's healthy and fair and, and warranted to be disappointed if you still don't like win the race oh, or whatever, totally. right? But it's just, but I, I, you're never gonna like you know I, you're certainly not saying like oh I would have been just dandy about yeah, coming yeah, forward yeah. if I tried hard. It's like you're you're still pissed, but you don't have that. But there's there's an ability to sleep at night because you did you did what you 
could put out. And it seems like you've worked really a ton mentally on allowing yourself to be like almost smooth, like in that front. And hey, I'm going to maximize and and not let any like obstacles get in my way mentally or, or physically and, and the chips will fall where they may. And it seems like it's been working for you over the last year or so, like a couple of years, like undoubtedly, which is which is awesome to see. It's really, it's really special. To see. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, no, I think, again, it is. I just think when, like, and everyone has had that, and everyone's had experiences where they feel like they didn't maximize their potential. It's just a feeling that's, yeah, so much worse because you just have so many more questions of, like, what, what could I have done differently, you know, versus, like you said, it's like, you know, everyone in the sport, like, wants to win. They want to make teams. They want to medal. And so it's like, everyone's going to be disappointed if they come up short of that but I think yeah it's a different type of disappointment than not knowing what you could have done because you feel like you left preparation on the table or you feel like yeah you didn't show up in in the mindset that was you know conducive to to being at your best well so my kind of one of my last questions I guess going off of that is this is obviously hyper individualized to you right and you're working with like a sports psych or you, you're, you're kind of putting the pieces together on your own, but do you have any like bite-sized or at least like, like speakable kind of philosophies or tips you use to allow yourself to, to enter a race kind of prepared to fire at max, you know, at all cylinders and, and not get held up by kind of the doubts that I'm sure a lot of us experience on the start line or, or the nerves, like, like where, where do you turn to? Are you looking at, are you like relying on training or your past races or efforts or, is it something more like intangible and, and inward? Like I'd, I'd love to hear about that. I'm sure listeners who've struggled with nerves and, and pre-race and anxiety and, and tough performances. I mean, there's, that's kind of all of yeah, us in a way. Yeah. I'm sure we'd all love to hear about it. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, I mean, I think in the past I was actually too focused on like the training itself or like past results, like getting basically all my confidence from that. And I think that is yeah, a pretty like flimsy place I've learned to get confidence of just like, you can't necessarily, you know, you can't wait for, you know, to start knocking workouts out of the park or to have like a couple good races to then have confidence. Like the confidence has to come before that. And I think, um, something that's been really helpful for me is just focusing on that preparation piece. So like focusing, um, that's something that I like to think about a lot is like focusing on the 1%, you know, whether that be whatever's best for you. So if you, um, you know, like for me, I found like, like I said, I would get like pretty nervous before races and then be like super tense and not able to run at my best. So I was like, okay, I'm going to like consciously make goals before workouts on like how to work on that specific skill, like in a training session. So now the training session, I'm taking away more than just, um, the workout itself, but I'm taking confidence from knowing that like I'm working on, you know, concrete skills that I can put into practice for racing. And I think it's like, you know, figuring out what works best for you, like recovery wise, like, do you need to, does your body feel best if you like roll or stretch or, you know, doing the strength or like, you know, the pre-run activation or whatever it is. Like, I think, um, there's a lot of different things that I've found that you can get confidence from like doing on a day to day. And I think that's where you can line up and like, everyone's still going to be nervous, but you can be like, just kind of have that foundational confidence of like knowing that you did everything you could to get there. And I think that's way more about than just like the workouts and the races themselves, but like your whole like 
kind of approach to it. And I think that's something that, that can be really helpful to focus on too. And I think that helps you, at least for me, like that's helped me also be able to better like focus on myself and not get caught up in the comparison trap because it really forces you to kind of sit down and um, figure out what works for you, you know, figure out like, okay, this thing makes me feel better, this thing doesn't, and then you're not getting caught up in like, oh, okay, my teammate's rolling, but I don't really, my body doesn't feel better when I roll, so I'm not like tempted to get caught up in what they're doing, or I feel better doing slightly less mileage and I can stay healthy, so I'm not tempted to get caught up in my teammates' higher mileage because I know I can like have confidently like slowed down to realize this is what works best for me and this is like how I'm going to be at my best. I feel like that is such an insightful answer, and I'm so glad that you don't pin confidence on workouts and races purely right i feel like that creates a whole bunch of traps especially if you struggle to stay healthy right um not only does it create traps with that where okay now i need like a certain number of great workouts back before i'm before i'm prepared to run at a certain level or if i bomb this race now there's just like a spiral of well i'll probably bomb the next one because i'm not like because the last one was bad and that's my data point And I feel like not only is that a possible trap, but so is the fact that you're probably not doing the best workouts of anyone in the world. And yet your goals are to be like a top five, top three, top 10, like to to win medals, right? And and to try to win these events. So if you you come into it, like I get my confidence from workouts and you're lining up against like an Olympic final, like there are probably people who've done some sick workouts, right? In that final and you, you, you know, you can carry that kind of confidence at the high school levels or maybe at the collegiate levels, but when it gets down to what it seems like the great ones do on the pro level is like they have the internal confidence from the way they live their life and the boundary, like the limits that they've kind of found with their body, which seems to be what you're describing, right? With like what works for me might not work for everyone else, but if it works for me and um, it seems like finding those, those limitations and, and like kind of trying to push them slowly has like has such a valuable effect and the only other thing is i've heard remember alex osberg and stephen fahey used to tell me the same thing with doing workouts in college of like don't just like physically do the workout you know if there are things you need to work on in terms of race mindset or dealing with pain or pressure or all that like try to really like test your mind and like simulate like race experiences right or or, or what that day is going to feel like like don't just passively go through it and that way exactly what you're saying you can get you know, double kind of the value for the price of one workout. And it, it certainly seems like I, I've, I've heard a lot of that reflected in like, so like others, like of our past teammates, but also just really great runners overall. It seems like that's the way you've got to try to like take your confidence in and, and, and kind of expand um, your running to get like from an elite level to another elite level and just kind of keep going up the chain. So it's, it's awesome. To, it's awesome to hear that. Yeah, no, it's like, it's crazy though. Like you said, like, again, I just feel like I wasn't that, great at this until like recently of like bringing in like them like you know being more present like mentally or or intentional in the workouts like you said of like okay setting you know some sort of mental goal or getting yourself kind of in that race mindset because then you show up to a race and if you haven't raced in a while it's like now you have like nerves and adrenaline and like all of these things but you were being super passive in practice and now you're it's a whole another thing to learn right like now you got to go through all the yeah now it like it makes sense like standing on the line being like super tense or overwhelmed because it's like you haven't worked at all about you haven't been in that mindset maybe especially like you're Mm -hmm. saying you know when you're coming back from injury or something if you haven't raced in a while like now you haven't raced 
in months and you are like throwing yourself into this environment that you haven't been in in a long time and like maybe you're not fully confident because you missed some time and now it's like super overwhelming because you have you haven't like been anywhere close to being in that mindset you know if you're not like trying to work on some of those things in practice as well definitely I think that there's just constant value in putting yourself in situations right where you're, you're pushing either your mind or your body not and you got to give yourself a break too right I feel like recovery yeah. like chilling out like having easy days all that is super important but like definitely touching that kind of mental piece periodically often right and like trying trying to trying to keep that like warm and ready to go helps you and then and then the last thing exactly what you're saying i would also echo like knowing what works for you allows you to stand in that line and not be quite as nervous about did i do the right things for this yeah. right like if you know hey i need like four pre-meat strides and i don't need six and i don't need eight and they only need to be 100 meters like if you know that and you do it it's like i right, like it sounds silly in a way, but it's like, if this is what it is for me, then this is what it is. And, you know, I mean, I've talked to Grant in depth about like y'all's training and it, it's very, it seems like the little things are very much controlled by the athlete. Mm -hmm. Right. And it seems like in a lot of ways, Jerry is like, I like come to the workout, whatever you need ready to go. And it's kind of up to you to find that. And I, one thing I'd encourage like, you know, like younger listeners or even like also college age listeners or, you know, people doing this like post-college is, is definitely just like, like taking that extra time to find what precisely works for you and, and like, and trusting that, you know, and then having conversations with your coaches if, if that's going to go against yeah. what, what team protocol is. But it seems like that's so important, like to figure out what works exactly for you in order to like maximize not only your confidence and lack of nerves, but just your performance in general. Totally. And I think like along those lines, two things, I think first is like, seeing it as like a very like iterative process too you know like I think you have to see it as like very much trial and error and like I would say when I first I don't know when you first um when I first went to college or even when I first joined this group I think also seeing like okay I can learn what can I learn from my teammates what are things that I can pick up that maybe I you know like blind spots I had that I um didn't realize and you know I don't know that's what I learned a lot when I first joined this team of like okay what does like recovery look like or what does, you know, how can I like improve my warm up before a workout or whatever it is. So it's like looking to like learn things from the people around you to kind of, you know, figure out then what works best for you. And I think not being afraid to like try some of those different things and then be like, oh, okay, yeah, like this, this didn't work for me. And now I'm going to, you know, figure out what does. Um, and so I think kind of approaching it like that as, as a process and like slowly figuring it out piece by piece, um, is really helpful. And then it saves so much mental energy too, when you do like, I mean, that was like your example of the strides, but like, that's a real thing. Like, I don't know. I've had that in the past where it's like, I don't know, you're before a race and you're already having, you know, all these like thoughts and nerves and emotions. And now you're like, seeing a teammate or someone else do six strides and you're wondering if you should do six, you know, and it's like, that's just like unnecessary mental energy that if you really find like certain, you know, routines or things that work for you, then it's nice to not even have to be like looking around worried about what anyone else is doing. Cause you're, you can save your energy for your race and you know what you're doing is, is going to like help you to be your best when you stand on the line. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Hey, we're already over an hour, so as we move towards wrapping up, I, I'm i not sure if you even know the answer to this, but 
the next race is on the calendar. I heard I heard you might want to get back into a fifteen. See about see about doing something like that. But do you have anything actually mapped out yet? Or are you guys still waiting to hear what, what it's going to be? Still, moving into yeah, it? yeah, still waiting to hear. So um, we'll see. But I hear maybe some some of you guys are you going to race? Are some Stanford people going to Mount Sac? I hear maybe. Mount Sac is happening. We also have our opener this this weekend, nice. which a lot of guys are going to be doing who didn't qualify for nationals okay. which should be which should be exciting i'm holding off a little bit dealing with a couple nagging injuries that i'm trying to get past but a lot of guys in, the, in my dorm are opening up and uh yeah it should be it should be fun so we've got that and then i think we're kind of going every two weeks which should line up with mount sack i don't know if any of y'all will, will be down there but maybe maybe that's a place for overlap i'm not sure I want to guys i want to do a 15 be. at that mount sack cool. when i heard that you guys would be going i was like even extra incentive to race there and see all of you guys wait do you know when you'll open up or are you just gonna kind of see if you can get your body under control gotta get the calf right but hopefully hopefully it would be around then it might end up being closer to conferences as well um yeah just gotta make sure that i have the requisite at least enough base to, to to hit something fast um yeah but but that that is definitely a goal uh to to try to get back on the track this spring which would be been a long time coming yeah um i also i i see you wore stanford red in support i did of the alum school I did. yeah i had to rep Love cardinal that. red you maybe know? it's bowerman red too i don't know <laughs> if there's even much of a difference there you might have just gotten lucky with it but i of course very much appreciative um yeah and honestly we could do a whole other episode just about your uh your transitioning high school to college your your experience here moving into your first year as a pro so there might need to be a part two sometime soon in the future um kind of discussing more of those like gritty details that i'm sure people are really curious about i'm really curious about as well um so yeah i think we'd love to have you back on to to maybe talk about those in in a future app as well well let me know i would always be honored (laughs) to come back on the half step pod so thanks for having Uh, me today though i'm glad we got to chat yeah of course haven't seen you in forever so <laughs> i know we definitely have to link up at one of these meets it should uh hopefully that can happen i don't know if sean or vanessa or a third person just opened the door there but that was yeah that was a little a uh, little, cameo. little cameo from vanessa <laughs> <laughs> well yeah we're, we're definitely going to be interviewing the house at some point like going through um as people are racing and, and gearing up so excited for that and uh at least this was this was awesome i learned a lot i hope that everyone listening did as well it's been awesome tracking the the improvements in the journey and looking forward to seeing all that you accomplished uh this year uh moving into trials and and hopefully worlds uh at home in eugene well thank you connor thanks for uh having me on i had fun so hopefully talk of course again soon. Th- <laughs> yeah hopefully soon and uh and thanks to everyone for listening to another ep of the half step pod uh We'll catch you guys next time. Cheers.